Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Chris Johnson. Chris is CEO of Experience Dynamic, a customer experience professional services collective. Experience Dynamic guides clients through transformational CX change. Thanks so much for joining me today, Chris. Diane, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you here. I, I am so curious about so many things, but I want to start with, I am really curious about why you decided to take the pulse of customer experience and, and why now? Yeah, so um, I started in advertising 20 years ago with a digital agency and and have been running an integrated agency for the last 10 years. And what we started to see over the last couple of years is that we've become really good at marketing and really good at setting expectations for customers. And yet we still see clients that are struggling because they're not delivering on the experiences that were promised. <laughs> so, um, and this is where uh, our experience dynamic collective came from was this idea that there are a whole host of touch points with customers and there are different ways to solve problems you're having along that chain from marketing and advertising, of course, but through customer service and employee experience. And so when we wanted to look at this and look at the organization that we were building, we really felt it was important to get an understanding not only of how uh, all customers are looking at the current state of CX, but also generationally, what are the differences between uh, experiences that customers are having today, what their expectations are, and what it is we need to learn in order to adapt not only today, but also what's coming with an incoming generation like Gen Z. Okay. So I'm so fascinated by the, these um, generational differences. So what are some of those differences that you found with the generations? Yeah. I mean, there's some, some weren't surprising, right? You have your younger generations are going to be much more tech enabled and expect um, digital channels for service. Um, you know, it, it's you know, the stereotypes apply here that that boomers are the least patient and the most functional in getting their their customer service issues resolved and wanting to um, quickly purchase things, and uh, and younger generations um, are more patient and forgiving. But I think um, you know some of the the more startling things that we saw were that the Gen Z is the least satisfied with the current online shopping experience which we didn't expect, right? We expect younger generations to who are not only native to digital experiences, but that's the generation that was born with a smartphone in their hand, yeah. that, um, that that's all they know and they would be happy with it. They're actually the least satisfied. Um, all other generations were about 71% of all other generations. Uh, it, each generation was about 71% satisfied with online uh, shopping. Gen Z was 50%. 
which tells us that we've got a pretty big gap to make up there and we have to do it quickly because that generation's really coming into play um, uh, in our customer base. And also, uh, if you think about translating that to employee experience, a lot of those are our incoming employees as well. So, um, you know, that was a wake up call for, for us and for our customers that we really need to understand what that incoming generation wants and uh, we have to start delivering it to them. So, okay, that is somewhat surprising, but I am so curious about what they were telling you. Like, why are they unhappy with that online shopping experience? What did you hear? Yeah, I mean, they're a, I mean, they're clearly a different generation as they all are. Yeah. Um, and and what we learned in our study was that this generation puts the emotional side of an experience above everything else. Hmm. So the rest of the generations, when they're dealing with a with a with a brand or a company, number one priority is let's get my issue solved, right? Let me let me right. buy what I want to buy. Let's fix what it is that you screwed up. Gen Z still thinks that's important, but a higher priority in the data was that they um, their number one issue was um, friendliness. How wow. did how did the interaction make me feel? And they're prioritizing that over actually getting their issue solved. Wow. It's a feeling generation. Yeah, right. You're right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that really is different. And we really do need to be paying attention to that. Yeah, I think it's a shift. I think, um, I think certainly since uh since the pandemic and and before that it accelerated it and before that all brands were moving online all brands are shifting customer service online all brands are shifting um customer service to be self-service in the interest of speed but also reduction of cost yeah. it's hard to deliver friendliness in those environments yeah and, and there are certainly ways um through personalization and ai machine learning in order a way that you can do that in an online experience, but this is a generation that still wants that human touch. And so the question is, how do we, rather than use technologies to replace uh, that human interaction, how are we using technologies to augment that interaction and give brands the ability to personalize that experience, make it more human, have more empathy, and have this generation walk away feeling better about that interaction? Well, that that is a great question. So what are some suggestions that that you have based on all of this information that you know you would say to small businesses, here are things you need to look at? What what sorts of things would you suggest? Well, I think the good news for small businesses is that this could be a key advantage, right? No. Small businesses by definition don't overinvest in technology, right? They're at a bit of a disadvantage to larger organizations and their ability to invest in their tech stack. But what they do have is they have a, typically have a better understanding of their customer, more intimate understanding of their customer, and the ability to deliver more of that personal touch. In fact, in our study uh, was super interesting and, and I think a beacon of hope for small companies uh, in this environment is that 85% of all generations, this isn't just Gen Z, but all generations, that they would switch from a large, more established business to a smaller business if it delivered better customer experience. Wow, really? 
I mean, that's the definition of competitive advantage. And the good yeah. news is it's sustainable, right? So yeah. if I come out with a new widget or a new website or a new app that uh, that blows the market away, it doesn't take long for a competitor, a larger competitor to come in and create that same experience and deliver it. What's yeah. hard to do is sustainably deliver great CX because it requires a great brand, great brand values, exceptional marketing, great customer service, and great employee experience, employees who are really aligned with what that brand is about and what it is that they're selling. So it's a key point of differentiation and one that I would focus on if I were a small business. How do you create that personal touch, that human touch to your customers? Because not only will they come to you, they will refer others to you um, for, uh, for business. Yeah. This feels to me like it starts with the employee experience. I, I really think it does. Um, yeah. It's not where most companies look. No. Right? Most companies are looking to grow market share. Mm-hmm. And so they do that by looking at how they're marketing, what their branding, what the products are. But at the end of the day, what's going to create stickiness with your customers is really great experience with your brand and great customer experience uh, on the customer service side. And um, that can only be delivered if you have people who are empowered to do that, people that feel like they have the ability to do their jobs well, people that understand the values of that brand and align the values of that brand. If all that's aligned, you've got gold. The challenge is that's really hard to do because it takes a lot of introspection and a lot of work inside your organization to run a great company that focuses on its values, lives its values, and ensures that the rest of the company lives in those values. Yeah, no kidding. That That's right. Yeah. But if you think about it, it makes everything else so much easier. If we think about, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah energy and time and money. We end up spending more of all three of those by not really focusing on the root of everything. It's it's like trying to cure the symptom instead of the disease. For sure, it's like our modern modern medical uh, uh, industry today. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's um, yeah. If you think about, it, we're we're just talking about customer experience and the ability to create uh, return customers and 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 increase the lifetime value of our customers, but think about recruiting costs, right? The ability to bring people into your organization. What if you had the ability to have a brand and a reputation that people sought you out rather than you trying to find people? Um, And what if you didn't have to do that very often because people weren't leaving and it wasn't turning over? You know, when, when people have the ability to deliver great customer experiences, inherently, we all know they're having a much better time and a better experience at their job than if they're constantly having to apologize, they can't help their customers, they're dealing with angry customers every day. That's where you're getting turnover. Yeah. But if you create culture alignment and you empower those people to deliver great experiences, their jobs can actually be fulfilling. And maybe they wouldn't leave so often. Yeah, boy, that that, that is a great, great point. So um The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. 
Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. It, so let's say a company has a bad customer experience incident, you know, something happens. Yeah. How do they recover from that? Yeah, I mean, there's still no substitute. You need, you need to fix what the problem was, right? Yeah. Um, and um, and that was that was constant across all generations. Mm. Um, I think the the good news is that that despite Gen Z um, being the least satisfied with their experience right now, um, they're also the most forgiving generation. Mm. So we found that that uh, boomers will probably give will give you about one more try if you screw up on average one point one. Gen Z will give you two point six times on average, right? So they're you know, is this is this a reflection? We don't know. Is this the reflection of they're just used to bad experiences, so they'll keep trying uh, <laughs> from their view, um, or what that is? But you're going to likely get another shot, right? After you fix that issue, and let's ensure that um, that that issue does not become an issue again. That came out in the data as well. Was great. Play, fix my problem, but also second to that in the research was make sure that this doesn't happen to me again. Because if that does, I'm likely gone. Yeah, right, right. So you really have to pay attention and not just be in the mode of fixing that the, you know, as things come up, you you really have to make sure that whatever it is you take a look at and fix it internally overall. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think, you know, when I think about how customer service has changed over the years, there's just such a huge emphasis on efficiency. You know, how, how many people can we help with the least amount of staff possible so that we're efficient in how we're providing customer service? Because it's not a revenue generator in their mind. It's a cost center. Hmm. And I think the way that companies could be looking at it today is how do I look at technology? How do I look at crazy developments in AI, especially over the last four to five months? Yeah. How can I use that to make the teams I have better, more empathetic, and connect with my customers more? So that yes, we can be efficient, but we can also deliver way better service to our customers than we do today. Do you think those efficiencies were driven by customers and some of the complaints that they had, or cost, or a combination? I think it's a combination. It's a good question. Um, the we found in our research, which was which was interesting. Um, was that 44% of customers would pay at least 10% more if they could get immediate service. Wow. So if you are um, if you are looking at ways to increase profitability in your organization, 
you could look and say, all right, well, if we took 44% of our customers and we could charge 10% more, that 10% then is a revenue increase. What is the cost of us providing that service, which I imagine is going to be much less than 10%. Yeah. And all that goes to the bottom line. That's a way to look at it. But I think the other side of it is just, it's just the nature of corporate America that everyone feels like they grow as much as they possibly can. But in order to meet demands of Wall Street or investors, the way to get there is through efficiency. And that's the model that we've been in for, gosh, the last couple of decades is how do we become more efficient in what it is that we're doing so that we can be more profitable and return, get a return for our investors. And sometimes that's at the expense of the customer. I mean, how many times have you called into an airline and you're on hold for 45 minutes? Yeah. You know, that's a matter of efficiency. They don't want to overstaff their call centers. And so you as the customer have to wait around for 45 minutes, way less than ideal. I do think also some of it, I mean, you reminded me of a story I heard about where um, a woman was looking for a vendor for her home. She Mm -hmm. went online, she found a couple, she filled out the form online. She was perfectly fine with one of the organizations reached back out to her, I think by phone. And when she answered, they put her on hold. (laughs) It was the crazy. And it just got worse from there. It just, yeah. So the first time, like it got happened, like she hung up. After she'd been on hold for a minute, she's thinking, wait a second, you're trying to sell me something. <laughs> why am I on hold with you? Like, why did you call me and put me on hold? Yeah. And, and it's and that's not efficient. It's just, it's crazy. And it's so not customer focused. Oh, that's the worst. I mean, it's it's efficient for the company, right? You're gonna hang around yes. probably, you know, because you know, I can't imagine it's particularly effective in a sales scenario. Right. Um, right. you know, it's the yeah, it is a nice feature when you get on, you know, sometimes there's a, a long, a long wait um, on a customer service line and they'll call you back. You know, that's nice. But yeah. what an hour and a half from now and I'm not available anymore. Right. Wouldn't it have just been better if I could have talked to somebody within the first couple of minutes? Honestly. Honestly. Or they call you back when you're not within the window that you gave them. Right. Also, right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I would say your example is an example of a company looking at how can we be more efficient with zero empathy for their customers. Yes. Yeah, so many of them do it. Do you have examples of companies that are doing this right? Uh, you know, I think on the just straight customer experience side, I yeah. love uh, I love the company Dutch Bros. Are you familiar? No. So they're a coffee chain, mostly West Coast. South in the South um, in the U.S. kind of Sun Belt. They are a. Uh, it's an interesting brand. They're they're a coffee shop slash energy drink shop. They clearly target Gen Z and younger audiences, and um, and it's it's a crazy model. They've got basically like these um, almost like what you'd expect from like a, a just a Starbucks drive through. They basically have a drive through. And you order your energy drink or coffee, um, lines are usually 20 cars deep. And there's the, their cashier is trained and encouraged to be unbelievably personal, personable with their customers. You know, cheery, how you doing? What are you doing today? How are they engaging in that? And they're tapping into that emotional need of Gen Z to want to feel good, to want to be connecting with people. 
um, in a way that I think very few brands do today. And it takes a person, right? It's not that hard. It's a, it's right. somebody, they're, all they're doing is, is taking a transaction. Every, every drive-through in America has that person that takes your credit card. But who takes the time in that process to stop and take a minute just to find out what you're doing in your day and how's it going and share a story with them? And they're really good at it. And the result is clear. Yeah. Uh, I'll drive by that place at 930 at night. I don't know why you need an energy drink or coffee at 930 at night. <laughs> but, and there'll be 20 cars in line, right? Wow. And I guarantee you most of those are younger adults who want that experience. And I have, we have, you know, we're, we're in our, in our building, we've got a hundred people here. We've got a ton of Gen, Gen Z's um, representatives. They'll even say like, we've actually, don't, we know there's better coffee. There's better drinks. We just go because we like the experience. That's so interesting. Wow. Boy. Yeah. P- you know, this is one of the things that um, I find frustrating oftentimes with small business owners is that they resist, it's smacking them in the face, and yet they resist paying attention to these things. I don't know if they're thinking it's going to be costly or it's a it's a blip, it's a fad, right. but, but these generations are, they're the buyers, yeah. right, in the future. Well, and I think what what time has taught us over the years was is that as uh, new technology and new experiences come into play, uh, it's typically the younger generation that defines what that needs to be, and the brands that don't adapt die off. So, yeah. Blockbuster, uh, yeah. Sears. I mean, I could, you know, we could, we could go through a list of of failed companies through the two thousands that didn't really adapt to the internet. Yeah. But then what happens is later generations start to adapt to what those experiences are and they end up liking them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Boomers weren't born with a computer, but they know how to use the internet. Boomers weren't born with a, a smartphone, but a lot of them and most of them enjoy being able to call an Uber, right? Or use DoorDash right. who deliver to them or, right. or something from Amazon that shows up the next day. The later yeah. generations <laughs> adapt. And the companies that don't take that approach of figuring out what the younger generations need are in serious danger of failing over time. Absolutely. Boy, we were just talking about this, this, all this yesterday in a, um, in a meeting that I was in. So this is Mm -hmm. really timely for me because it's bringing back some of the conversation. There was an older gentleman who was saying um, he was sort of fighting against that. Some of the things we were talking about and what I was trying to explain is these younger generations are your future repeat customers. Yep. So you have to know all of your target markets because right now, what do we have? Five generations in the workforce. Right. So yeah. they're also in the buying force. So you, you got to, one, one gal said, you got to meet them where they are. And I think that's what we're talking about. We really need to understand what our what matters to our customers, and it's going to be different for different generations. So we're going to have to make sure we're providing those yeah. things. You know, if boomers yeah. just want to call a CSR and get their issue resolved and get off the phone. Yeah, let them do it. Yeah, right. If your millennials want to be using a chatbot, let them do it. But you're absolutely right. Like you can't not provide that channel 
because you yeah. think it's efficient. Because what you're doing now is you're not, as you said, meeting them where they are. It's a great way to it's a great way to put it. Yeah. But the only way to know that is to ask your customers, right? That's the we we tell a lot of our clients is um, we have, you know, this is a we this is a wide sweeping study of everybody. We did do some slices by industry. We definitely did it by generation. Uh, we did it by household income, but at the same time, this does not representative of any one brand's customers. And so the only way you're really going to know and, and be able to meet them where they're at is if you go and do the research to find out, talk to your customers, whether right. it's a survey, whether it's focus groups, whether it's just taking the time to, to you know have some one-on-ones with them. Until you know that, you're kind of at square zero in terms of fixing any CX issues you have or having any sort of strategy moving forward. So is that what you... so? Is that like the first step? If I realize I'm having some sort of issue, the first thing I should do is go talk to my customers? Uh, that That is our recommendation. If you don't already have that research or if that research is more than six months old, because things are moving quickly, yeah, uh, right. everything accelerated through COVID. So what we're seeing is, is customer patterns are changing within six months. At a minimum, if your data is more than a year old on your customers, I would go, uh, I would spend the time to talk yeah. to your customers to find out where they're at today and what it is that they're expecting from you. Yeah, boy, that, that makes so much sense. And as you were saying, this this is really cross-industry, right? It, it doesn't oh, sure. really matter. Yeah. I mean, the, the difference in industries uh, we saw was that the depending on what the purchase price was or the level of investment by the customer in in actual dollars, raise the basically the more money they're spending, the higher their expectations are, and the less forgiving they are in the experience. Right? If I go to Starbucks or or I buy something from Amazon and I have you know for ten dollars and I have a bad experience, like all right, I had a bad experience. You know, my ability to forgive and want to and, and be willing to engage with that brand again is still pretty likely. If I'm buying a car and that process gets screwed up, I may never buy from that brand again. Yeah, right. right? If, if I plan a vacation and go to stay at a resort with my family for seven days and it ends up being a miserable experience, you can guarantee I'm never going to book with that resort again or that brand again. Right. And that was reflected in the data. There's a lot less tolerance, a lot more importance because of the level of not only dollars, but time investment that customers make in making those purchases. Yeah, that, that makes sense too. Wow. This is... So interesting and so critically important as you know, we move forward out of this insanity that, that has been right. the past couple of years. And I love what you said about this is can really be a competitive advantage for small business owners. I think it's the only sustainable competitive advantage for small businesses or any business. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I agree. They have to be paying attention to this. Yeah. Wow, Chris, I'm so grateful that you uh, have spent this time with us. Will you let the listeners know how they can find you and uh, anything else you think they should know? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our website is uh, experiencedynamic.com. On there, you can download this report. and um, and feel free to, uh, to look through it. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out to me at uh, chris.johnson at experiencedynamic.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, just I'm Chris underscore Johnson on LinkedIn. 
Excellent. Wow. It's so great. I'll make sure this information is in the show notes. And as I said, thank you so much for sharing all of this. Well, this is important been information. Yeah. Excellent. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.